This episode is brought to you by Gin & Co, author website design specialists. If you want a beautiful and functional website to promote your books and brand, reach out to Gin today. His work includes tailored, expertly designed, professional author websites. I finally have a website I'm proud to share. And we've got a special offer for Words and Nerds listeners. Reach out today and get a free domain name and website hosting for the first year. You can get their website essentials package, includes domain name, website hosting, backup and security, free for the first year with any website purchase. This is valued at $330 a year. Choose a website designed to bring your author brand to life. You can find more details about this special offer at ginand.co forward slash words and nerds. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm Danny V, podcast host and children's author. I also do some work in publishing and acquisitions and publicity. As we hurdle towards 1 million plays, we'll continue to provide you with the conversational, vulnerable, honest, and fun chats with your favorite authors across all genres. Check out our takeover episodes, usually released on a Friday, and our spin-offs released during the month. Thank you for being here, being part of the journey, and supporting Aussie Creatives. Hey everyone, I know you're used to hearing the dulcet tones of Danny right now, but lucky you, you've got the scratchy cat-like voice of Nat Amor instead, because there was no way I was letting Danny get away with recording an episode with my bestie. That's right, we've got Mike Barry here today talking about his exciting end to an epic trilogy action tank. Hi Mikey! Hey, how are you going Nat? Well, better now for talking to you, that's for sure. Thank you. I was thinking, uh, you know, <clears throat> ever since I've heard the name Words and Nerds, I was like, Words, that's Nat, and Nerds, that's me. So really, this is <laughs> this is where we belong. <laughs> yes, um, I can't really argue with that. You're the biggest nerd I know, in, and I mean that in the most <laughs> affectionate way possible. <laughs> yeah, a gentle, a gentle nerd, I believe you've called me in the past. <laughs> and an uber-talented <laughs> one, too, if that makes it feel any better. <laughs> That'd be better. All right, so we are here for one very important and specific purpose, and that's to talk about your brand new graphic novel for kids, Action Tank. So can you tell us a little bit about, like, this is the third one um, that's come out, but give us a bit of a background on Action Tank and why you started making it. Yeah, cool. Well, Action Tank is my graphic novel series. So a graphic novel is like a comic book, but longer, um, and I make it for kids who are probably age 8 to 12 or, you know, in spirit, at least they're that age. And uh, it's the story of a boy who finds himself on the other side of the solar system and he has to get home in time for his mum's spaghetti carbonara. So uh, I wrote the first volume um, back when my own kids were starting to get interested in reading comics and graphic novels, and uh, that was about six years ago. And then about um, three years ago, I brought out the second volume and now finally 800 or so pages later the third volume is ready and this will actually answer the question does he get home in time for his mum's spaghetti carbonara yeah and i've got to say for anybody out there who hasn't seen these graphic novels they're they're really something else i think like i always try to explain to people whatever you've got in your mind of what a graphic novel might be for kids i feel like yours is kind of on its own level um 
It's got like really bright and kind of sophisticated illustrations, full color, like such excellent quality paper. And I always say that like Action Tank is sort of treating kid readers with the sophistication as if they're reading like, you know, an adult graphic novel, but with content for kids. Yeah, well, you know, that is exactly what my goal was, right? So um, my kids were like looking at all my graphic novels, um, not my ones I've written, but the one, the shrine of graphic novels I had in, I have in my living room. And, you know, they're like, can we read that? Can we read that? I was like, no, no, no. Because, you know, all this stuff made for adults is just like looks amazing, but a lot of it's not that appropriate for kids. Um, but, you know, I love reading comics and I, I just wanted my kids and all kids to have the the experience of like man someone really loved making this and someone who made this really loves comics and you know I just want them to fall in love with comics too so um yeah I just wanted to look and feel like someone loves it so much and so and I guess I do so yeah hopefully that comes across <laughs> absolutely now um I've had you um I don't know if I'm allowed to expose this to our audience but I've had you um weeping on my shoulder like a baby during the process of trying to these hundreds and hundreds of pages of graphic novel of uh, the amount of work that um goes into it i mean it just blows my mind um for those of you who don't know mike and i worked on a book together where he did the graphic novel segments um and i think we had like seven segments of four pages in that book and the amount of work hmm. that that was blew my mind and that's black and white and it's you know nowhere near as long as oh, the three action tank books put together um and the amount of and, and also also you uh you pretty much wrote that so it was only <laughs> half the work for me <laughs> well yeah but the amount of work when i look at action tank i've got the full um set on my shelf when i look at that i just think oh my gosh how does he like bring up children and like you know have a life outside of his drawing studio so can you tell us a bit about the the process of making a graphic novel yes well to answer that question quickly i don't really have a life outside my studio <laughs> and uh you know, I try and bring up my children, but I feel like they're bringing me up sometimes. Um, <laughs> you know, the so just to set the scene, the first book is 100 pages. Um, the second book is 256 pages. And this third book, which is, um, yeah, which I'm talking about now is 288 pages. So, um, yeah, that's probably why I was crying those times I saw you because, like, <laughs> it's just so long. Um, but, you know, I, I guess I treat it like, this could be the last book I ever get to make because, you know, I do realise uh, what a privilege it is to even be in the position to be able to make it, right? And um, so I sort of cherish it, but I also it does take a lot of time and a lot of energy. And, you know, yeah, as you said, I do have the rest of my life to live around it. So um, the process is pretty much I uh, I have some visual ideas, I have some joke ideas some dialogue ideas and it's just written all down on a giant pad or sketched or whatever and then I just start trying to piece it together into a narrative uh, which I then I've got these tiny little sketchbooks and so I actually get one and I'm like okay this is going to be the mini version of the book and so I sort of sketch out the entire book um, in sequence uh, in this little book so because then kind of you can have the experience of reading it um, before I've gone to all the trouble of actually making it look good or comprehensible. Like I'm the only one that really needs to be able to understand these sketches. And, um, but I can get a sense of the rhythm and the momentum 
um, which to me is kind of what I spend most of my energy on is like, is this going to, when you turn the first page, are you just going to want to keep going? And so, you know, um, I guess the more I've made graphic novels, the more I think about it, like making music, um, because there's so much rhythm to it. And it's also like, you know, uh, if you're making music, I guess you probably, you know, lay down a vocal track, you've got a drum track, you've got uh, guitars, and then you're like, oh, we could really add a cello here and make it feel a certain way. So it's a bit like that, where it's really like building up layers. So um, you know, there's the the dialogue and the action, obviously, but then I've got to draw it so that it works. I've got to do page layout so that, you know, your eye follows a certain flow and then you want to turn the page. And then, and but I, I, I guess with my art, I sort of allow a lot of space for the colour to do some of the work of the storytelling and the emotion. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And I also reckon, I mean, just from what I've seen of yours too, um, something that really blows my mind is the kind of the different ways you express a thing that's happening, but visually it's kind of like, I remember when we were working together and I'd be like, oh yeah. And then they fall off a cliff and then this happens. And then you would <laughs> take that and the visual version of that just summed up like half a page of writing in, in one panel. <laughs> yeah. Well, like it's so, what I love, I love heaps of stuff about comics, but um, you know, if you're watching a, movie right and the and that's the scene then if you're the viewer it kind of it kind of happens to you right so if that scene takes 20 seconds like you watch it and then you've seen it and you've absorbed it and you moved on but when you're reading a comic like it's kind of at your own pace in some ways right so if you want to linger over a big double page spread and look at every detail and sort of go back and forth and look left and look right and you know you like you can kind of control the pace with which you savor it and so sometimes you're going to want to burn through it because you're really wrapped up in the story but other times you know you may actually want to be savoring every page or you know looking at every detail of the drawing so when I'm creating it I sort of do the same thing I kind of um I want the experience to be a free-flowing one where you just you keep moving but on the other hand I also want you to um you know take stuff in maybe even subconsciously like oh this whole page is red and I didn't even realize that but I'm for some reason I'm crying you know yeah (laughs) um yeah just pulling all the different levers of storytelling on the page so that one you're talking about um you know I remember there were four characters they'd been pushed off a off a ledge um, but they all have different powers so they were all going to land safely using their powers and so you know it was an opportunity, I guess, to break it up into sort of four mini stories within one, one action, if you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, that's, I had fun doing that as you remember. (laughs) (laughs) And so with Action Tank, I noticed like uh, one of the things that I really love about Action Tank, um, is the way it's like quite short and fast and action pace. And then you turn the page and then you'll have, like you said, like a massive big double spread that either has like heaps of breathing room or it's like a, you know, an extreme close up of something. Um, does that, as you're making the graphic novel, do those things change and adjust or is that kind of planned before you start drawing? Um, yeah, look, so I self published this book, um, at least in Australia, I self publish it. And, um, you know, initially my plan was how am I going to do that and make it work? And so I started to think, what if every page could also be a poster? You know, that was how I started thinking about it initially. Um, that's probably not really how it worked out in the end, but I, I started to get addicted to this idea of, um, 
you know, a big impactful double page spread, especially when you don't expect it. Right. So when you turn the page in like, Whoa, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I think it also leans into the fact that because I self publish it, no one's saying this has to be 20 pages. It has to be 50 pages. It's like, well, this is going to be 288 pages. <laughs> so, um, you know, kind of just whatever the story demands is what it's going to get. Um, and so, yeah, but but I love that moment of impact when you turn the page and you, and it's just like, whoa, you know, an all immersive image. Um, I mean, it's ironic because it's it's the shortest, takes the shortest to write. It's like turn page, uh, you know, boy flies through the air and gets struck by a lightning bolt or something. But then to actually draw that, um, sometimes takes you know three days. So, <laughs> but you're the you're the king of that. Like you do that in such a beautiful and like clever way. It always, it blows my mind in every book. It's very good. Oh, you're 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 great. Yeah, you can pay me later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about how you self publish these three books, and I think mm -hmm. that's probably something that the the listeners will be really interested in because I quite often get questions from people who are wanting to self-publish, planning to self-publish, they have self-published and they're looking at how to promote or get books in places or whatever. And I am completely useless to them <laughs> because I don't really understand. <laughs> and the, the idea of self-publishing just feels so overwhelming. But I'd love to like know A, why you chose to self-publish, sort of mm -hmm. B, what's the pros and cons of self-publishing and and now I guess you've had the experience. Um, so the book that we did together was um, traditional publishing. So now you've kind of have a, had an experience from both sides. How does it compare? Oh yeah, well okay. I should say up front that uh, self publishing was not my choice initially. I was uh, you know I was desperate to get published and become a global phenomenon. So um, you know <laughs> I, I had yes I know. So uh, I had the first 25 pages of the first book drawn and colored I think and so I was sending that um you know I didn't know what I was doing but I was sending it to publishers initially and then I worked out if I actually wanted it to be published um I'd have to get an agent because blah blah anyway I, so I was just sending it out all over the place and I got some interesting feedback but basically and this was keep in mind this was about six years ago um which doesn't seem that long in some ways but on the other hand in Australia, graphic novels were not even really a thing yet, which is weird to think about. But um, yeah, so I mean, I, I remember showing a couple of publishers in Australia and they're like, yeah, okay, but how would we do this? Like, you know, it's full colour, it's big, it's what, it's 100 pages? Like, who's going <laughs> to? And I was like, ah, well, if you don't know, what am I going to do? But anyway, <laughs> um, the thing is, by the time I'd actually made the the book, you know, I basically had a hundred page PDF on my computer and I was like, well, I do want it to, I at least want my kids to read it. So I then started investigating what would it take to print it? And I sort of, you know, so um, Marvel Comics, Image Comics, these big comic publishers, I actually found the printers that they use. And I was like, why couldn't I use their, their production people, you know, um, so that it looks and feels like a real high quality thing. Um, so I just found those people and, you know, asked for a quote and got one. And I was like, okay. So I think back then I needed maybe 8,000 bucks to basically print a thousand of them and get them shipped to my house. And so I was like, okay, where am I going to get $8,000? And that's when I, you know, so I have a marketing background, advertising background, and I'd, I'd heard about this thing, Kickstarter, which is a um, crowdfunding platform. And I thought, man, I wouldn't mind trying that. That's pretty fun. So I 
basically created a pitch for the book and then put it on Kickstarter. And so how that works is it says, look, I need 8,000 bucks to actually make this book a reality. Um, so if you are interested in this book, could you pre-order one for $20? And then um, what you're basically saying there is you're pledging to order the book. So you're giving me your credit, or not me, you're giving Kickstarter your credit card <laughs> details and saying if enough other people also want the book, so basically if I get $8,000 worth of pre-orders, then all the credit cards activate and I actually get the money, right? Yeah. And then I can use it to print the books. But if I only got $7,000 worth of pre-orders and I don't hit my funding target, then I don't get any money, right? So it's kind of an all or nothing you know, and you only get 30 days to raise the money and stuff. So it's kind of this high intensity month. Um, but, and so I was nervous about it, but then I was shocked at that, that I actually succeeded the first time. Mm -hmm. And then I was even more shocked that, that um, you know, once I actually then got all my books and started sending them out, I think everyone that got involved in the Kickstarter um, campaign felt so connected to me and to the work and, um you know, the messages I was getting in the emails and like, you know, and then I would actually go out and do like school visits or, um, you know, just even meet kids places and they'd read the book. And like, I, it, I suddenly felt like I was just like part of their family or something like, you know, like when, yeah. um, well, you probably do know this feeling because so many kids love your books. Right. But, um, you know, your work becomes special to them. And then it, as a result becomes special to the family. And then suddenly it's like, you've got such crazy privileged access to that the, like the heart of that family or something and I just I just had this experience over and over again especially because most of my supporters were really local like you know I wanted to take over the world but in the end I you know basically started to take over the northern beaches of Sydney <laughs> so, <laughs> that's but, where you gotta start <laughs> that's right but I gotta say I actually I then sort of switched my strategy to be hyper local right so I then I thought well what if maybe I could aim to have every kid in my son's class has a copy of my book. And then I'm like, okay, every kid in the school and then every kid in the suburb and every kid in the, the council region and then every kid in the state, you know, so, yeah. but this idea of local is really cool because I, I feel so connected to some of these, um, some of these readers. And then when I actually meet them, it just feels so good. You know? um, so yeah, hang on. So did I answer any of your question then? I <laughs> Yeah, well, that was sort of the, the. I mean, I did triple barrel the question, but so okay. that kind of answered the the why and the how you got to self-publishing. I oh, guess yep, like yep. now maybe like pros and cons yes, okay. or comparisons between traditional and, and, and self-publishing? Yes. So, okay. Um, the pros and cons, I guess um, one of the pros is um, I'm in control of everything, right? Yeah. Uh, so absolutely everything. So I decide what paper, I decide whether we print a thousand or whether we print 1500, I decide, um, you know, whether we're going to go back to print, I decide how much I sell it for, I decide whether I want to stock it in that bookshop or not. I decide all of that, right? I guess one of the cons is that um, I'm in control of everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like, I, if I don't do it, no one will do it, right? <laughs> Although to be fair, my wife does a lot of um stuff between the cracks of the rest of her life but she's you know she's very smart very strategic but um you know in the end this is something that I really need to drive um and I guess that's yeah the best thing about it and also sometimes the worst thing right 
Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, working with Penguin on We Run Tomorrow with you, um, it in some ways it was such an easy project for me, right? Because um, I sort of arrived and the whole framework of the book was set up. The marketing plan, I think, was even set up. There was a publishing date, you know, and I basically had to fill, I guess, what, not even a third of the book, right? So um, the rest of it was done. So I was basically contributing to an amazing project, but just in a really, um, a really sort of clearly parameter way. And then someone else has marketed it. Someone else is organizing the distribution. Someone else is organizing the price point, all that stuff. Um, and so th then it was interesting to compare because I was like, well, gosh, I, I mean, that was great to be able to just do a little bit of work and get a huge sort of great result out of it. But then I sort of realized I kind of do love the other aspects of self-publishing as well. So um, I'm glad I've had both experiences because um, I've sort of loved both for different reasons. Um, but yeah, I think the self-publishing idea is something I maybe never want to give up on in some ways um, because it just makes me feel so connected to the readers for some reason. Um, even because even to the parents like the parents are the ones buying through my online store and I'm the one emailing them saying do you want me to sign it and they're like yeah sign it to Hugo and then I'm like okay cool and you know so it's like just just so connected to these people um, and how do you go with like so from obviously there's the the actual creation of the book so mm -hmm. what paper how many pages rah, rah, rah. but then I mean I guess a lot of people who self-publish they really hit a, a speed bump when it comes to distribution so can you talk a little bit about yeah. how you get it into hands schools and bookshops and and what works best for you and where you've had the most success yeah definitely um so again, I started really local, right? So if it was a bookshop I could drive to, I was going to try and get stocked there. So, um, you know, and that sort of helped as well because you're meeting the manager of the bookshop and it's like, yeah, I live I live locally and, you know, I can come and do a workshop if you want or I could do a signing or whatever would help them actually sell the book. Um, so I started that way and got, you know, a lot of great support from some local places, um, you know, particularly uh, the Harry Hartog and Berkelo Books Network. Um, you know, I met one store manager there. She put me in touch with actually the the core distributor for all of New South Wales, I think, you know, for that chain. And so um, doing it that way, it sort of, um, you know, it sort of becomes a network of distribution. And, and same with um, libraries, actually. So there's, you know, I'm in with a few library distributors and it's amazing how many, you know, orders we get through that and, you know, the distributor sends us the order, we send them a bunch of books, and then they actually send them out to the libraries. And then, you know, so I'm finding that the book is the books are in libraries in, you know, the Northern Territory, they're in Queensland, Tasmania, you know, and I didn't have to do a whole lot to make that happen. Um, you know, I ran a lot, I ran Facebook ads for about 18 months, um, which drove a lot of sales in my online store. Um I think I got to a point with that, to be completely honest, where it was going great at the beginning. After about 18 months, it started to kind of almost just get to break even point. And I was like, um, you know, well, I only have so many books. Do I just want to be essentially giving them out and getting nothing back for it? So from a business point of view, I sort of dialed back the Facebook ads for a while um, while I, you know, just focused on more um going out and doing school visits, doing workshops, and then, you know, um, 
always leaving the kids with a call to action to go to my online store and you can get a assigned copy and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I guess there's about 15 different ways I try and drive sales. Um, and I think obviously one of the things is, you know, I've, I get a much bigger profit margin on every book that I sell through self-publishing, um, like, which means I don't have the reach necessarily that a paint like Penguin has a huge distribution and a huge marketing system. Whereas I'm just one guy, but on the other hand, I probably only need to sell. Um, if I sell one and Penguin sells 200, we probably get, I probably get the same amount of money. Right. So, yeah. um, so from that point of view, it's interesting to look at as well, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really, I think that's cause yeah, I think a lot of people who are self-publishing that sort of, what do you think has been like the number one, like most, or is there one kind of like a number one most successful thing to get the the book out there? Uh uh, okay, well, this is not something that uh, I was able to control, but I, um, so book two actually, uh, you know, was shortlisted for a, actually quite a lot of literary awards and actually won a Comic Arts Award of Australia as well. So, um, you know, I, I, I put the, I, I put the book into all of those awards because I thought there isn't a lot like mine. Yeah. There aren't a lot of books like mine. And so for that reason, I thought it may at least get noticed. Um, and I think I was lucky that, yeah, probably there weren't a lot like mine. And, you know, mine's a reasonably high quality. So I think it um, it managed to make it into kind of the short list for a lot of these awards because, um, you know, it was a bit different, right? Yeah. Um, and so that, I found that was, that was like its own PR machine in some ways. Yeah. And, you know, anyone searching for the book, anyone interested in it, like they all just get driven to my website, which has an online store. And, you know, so um, I did notice a big uptick then. And I sort of, I like, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure that's how Penguin started taking me seriously, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and why, and why and finally our, well, really... finally our dream of working together actually happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's really interesting because I think a lot of self-publishers, self-published creators might not think about ending or entering themselves in those kind of awards and competitions because yeah. they might think, yeah, that they maybe don't have as much of a chance because they are self-published. So that's actually mm -hmm. really, yeah, really interesting, I think, um, that people might be missing that opportunity. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you've got to be realistic about your product though, right? Like, and from the beginning, I was like, I want this to look and feel like it could easily sit next to a Marvel comic or, you know, Penguin's greatest book or whatever. And it just feels like it belongs, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, that's why I spent so long getting the the weight of the cover, the, the cover, like the paper stock for the cover, the, you know, the, I got um, proofs of every single page, which I'm like adjusting the brightness and darkness, you know, just again, it's that mentality of like, I may never get to do this again. So I want yeah. this one to be as good as possible. And I think, um, if you can produce something that is a, a high quality product, it doesn't matter if, you know, I generated it completely on my own or if I had a lot of help, like in the end, it's the strength of the product, right? So, um, yeah, I think I just tried really hard to make it to make it good and then, um, you know, had kind of just 
tried to back it and said, um, yeah, let's put it in the running for these awards and see what happens. I mean, at a minimum, I thought, look, the judges will have to look at it. So then yeah. maybe one of them will contact me, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe one of them will buy it for their kid for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it reminds me of when I made a I made a Spider-Man fan comic once and put it online and I thought, at a minimum, if Marvel wanted to sue me, at least I would have a contact at Marvel then. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, well, before you were talking about um, Kickstarter campaign, which is what mm-hmm. um, kind of got the first one off the ground in the first place and has yep. carried through the entire trilogy, and I know that very recently you kickstarted your Action Tank 3 Kickstarter campaign. So can you tell us a little bit about the campaign and how it works and like you know we want we want obviously want people to go and pre-order your book by the way everybody already pre-ordered mine just so you know um and why it's important for that to happen now yes. or during the campaign rather than after it and all that kind of stuff yes okay well so as we're recording this it's uh it was only three days ago that i launched the campaign for book three so basically what's happened is i've spent three years writing and drawing and getting the book ready uh, but it's like i said it's still just a bunch of Photoshop files on my computer at the moment. So to actually make it printed and published and out into the hands of young readers, you know, I need to raise some capital. And so I've gone to Kickstarter again. Um, now, look, it's a bigger book. Prices have gone up. So it's a it's a fairly big target. So I am nervous about it. But, um, you know, just like once again, I'm just I'm giving it everything I got. So um, the campaign runs from the 14th of November to the 14th of December. So if you are listening to this uh, between those dates, you can go to actiontank3.com and you will see um, that um, I've basically created a pitch for the third book. And if you want to pre-order one, you can. And if enough people pre-order it, then I will have enough money to print the book and make it a reality. Um, and so, you know, it's worked for me twice before. Now it is a lot of work. 30 days is actually a long time. And what happens is, and I've seen it again here, is like the first day is just an explosion of support, right? So, um, you know, it's unbelievable. My kids are running around the house going, new backer, new backer, you know, just getting really excited. Um, you know, people are texting me, emailing me, like it's just crazy energy, right? Um, but then you get to sort of day two and it slows down a little bit, day three, which is kind of where we're at about now. And, you know, it goes if it goes half an hour without a backer, I start to get really stressed. Um so anyway, we're, we're about halfway through the funding, which is pretty exciting, right? So we're at like $7,500. We need 15000 So that's actually still a lot more orders, right? Um, and so I'm now looking at the 20, whatever, 26 days ahead as like, how many different levers can I pull to get people to support this book? Um, so obviously one of them is talking about this with you now, but, um, <laughs> but, I, but I think that, again, the thing that I love about it is when people, you know, basically help me make the book happen they they feel a level of investment in the in the in the work and in me that um i think they didn't expect and i don't expect and then suddenly it's just it's kind of magic right and so um oh and the other thing is yeah if if you order through the kickstarter right you get to name a star on the star chart which is inside the book so um i've done that the last two campaigns and so um you know a parent will order for their kid and say, yeah, my, my son, you know, Jeremy or whatever, can you, can you name a star after him? And so then he's, you know, Jeremy gets the book a few months later and they're reading through and they get to the end and there's all these stars in the star chart and they're like, 
oh my gosh, is that my name? And then they're like showing all their friends and their friends are like, how'd you get your name in the book? And so, you know, it's kind of this, you're kind of immortalized forever as part of part of the creation of the book in some ways. So all these different things just um, mean that it, it's kind of not just, um, it's not just to create the book. It actually creates a community around the book and around the trilogy. And um, yeah, I just, I feel like so grateful for that community and, sort of you know I believe writing and drawing can be quite an isolating experience but I think with this sense of community around the work um, I've never really felt isolated like that even though I've been sitting at my desk for three years you know what I mean yeah well that's and that's um that's actually a really beautiful sentiment about like what art is and how it creates community um mm. And also I'm, you know, one of the stars in the book, so that makes me feel Oh, you better believe it, yeah. (laughs) And also (laughs) something that's really exciting actually for this Kickstarter campaign is because it's the third and final of the trilogy, you can actually get like the box set, which I Oh, my gosh, yeah. So, okay, so this was a dream I've had, like as if this would ever be a reality, but now it it may be, right? But um, I've not only got three books, but, yeah, you can get a box set with an actual box, right? So I've like designed the box and... I mean, I am so pumped for like 700 of those boxes to arrive in my driveway. Oh, it's so <laughs> you know cool. what I mean? It's going to be so good. And so oh, for man. anyone who's got uh, kids or who is just a big kid who hasn't, um, you know, already commenced on the incredible action tank journey, now is a really good time to like go to the Kickstarter campaign and get the full box set in one because you are on the third book. Like I almost feel jealous. I wish that I like didn't know about this and I was hearing about it right now so I could go to Kickstarter and just get the box set but I've already started building my collection so yeah <laughs> I'm gonna have to I mean, the yeah, box set I've... for someone else well true true I mean I'm trying to work out actually how I can just send people the box if they've supported me from the beginning so um I'll probably let you know once I've worked that out I'm sure I can work it out so, oh, that's, yeah. that's very cool <laughs> um yep. all right so is there anything else that our listeners need to know about Action Tank and Mike Barry and what is coming. Oh, look, I think I've I've covered most of it. And you, you know, you've been very kind to uh let me do all the talking, which um, you know, I generally prefer our conversations to be two-way. So uh <laughs> <laughs> um, thank, thanks a lot, Matt. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> Who am I kidding? <laughs> no, look, it's so uh, Action Tank three is the final epic chapter in the trilogy you will find out if the boy makes it across the solar system and home in time for his mum's spaghetti carbonara and if you want to be in on the ground floor and if you want to have a name on the star chart in the book and if you want to be the first to own it actiontank3.com will take you to the kickstarter and um yeah i've only got what is 20 something days left to get my funds up so uh you don't you do not know how much i would appreciate your uh your support so um if you're interested in that, please come on in and uh, and let me know. You can message me about it later and I'll um, I'll chat to you forever like I have with Nat here. <laughs> and from my side, not only is Mike an awesome person and talented creator who deserves the support, but more importantly, the books are just really awesome and kids absolutely go bananas for them. So, um, you know, if you're looking for Christmas presents, um, birthday presents, they're just, they're beautiful and they're something that feels really um, precious and um, almost expensive to hold. <laughs> like they're kind of like. <laughs> premium. Really I'm going like for premium. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Thank you, Nat. You're, uh, you're such a good support to me in every area of my life. And um, I really appreciate you uh, chatting with me about this today. 
All right. Well, um, we'll just like end this takeover on that massive love fest. Then, what do you reckon? We I should, love you, but bro. we should, we should, we should thank. I love you too, but we should, uh, we should thank Denny, who, um, why? You know, well, I don't know. She made this was her idea, so uh, you know, it may look like we've muscled our way in here, but um, you know, she is a huge supporter as well, and I, I uh, I've really valued that over the years as well. So thank you, Denny. Thank Fine. you, Fine, Danny's awesome. We all know that already. <laughs> no jokes. Love you, Dan, and thanks for letting Mike, Barry, and I take over Words and Nerds podcast. You. Thank you.